This episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you who donated $1 a month through Craft Sanity's Patreon page. Learn more at CraftSanity.com. Well, if you couldn't express yourself, how would you de-stress yourself? And if you couldn't make and build and sing and knit and paint and dance and spin, would you go crazy? Well, if you're going crazy... Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity, Art and Craft Creativity, Interviews with people who make, they are here to help keep you sane. Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity. Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity. This is episode 164. My guest this week is going to be able to talk about the craft industry from many different vantage points, so I think you're in for a real treat. Who is my guest? Hi, I'm Michelle Musa. I live in Enfield, Connecticut, although I report to the office, simplicity office in New York City. I'm 58. I'm the marketing communications manager for Simplicity Creative Group. I'm an entrepreneur and an artist and a family person. I love my family. <laughs> All right. So, and you're also the author of a book. Tell people what the name of your yes. book is. I have a fairly new book out, which is called Quilting the New Classics, 20 Inspired Quilt Projects, Traditional to Modern Designs. I am very excited to have Michelle Muska on the show this week. We are going to be talking about the craft industry from book deals and major corporate craftiness. I mean, we're, we're all over the place on this episode, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. Before we get rolling, I want to take a moment to thank ACS Home and Work for their continued support of this podcast. You can find my favorite tea towels to print on and stitch on over at acshomeandwork.com. I would also like to thank my Patreon sponsors for their continued support as well and keeping the show going. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Now, I hope you have grabbed a project, made some tea, and you're ready. Let's get to this interview. Tell me what it was that you first really got interested in as a kid, or maybe it was later in life, and when you knew that you were going to want to do some of these things for a lifetime and Eventually, it ended up being a profession for you. But can you backtrack a little bit and maybe tell sure. us where well, it all started? Um, I can, and it actually goes way back because, um, my, well, my mom and dad were always very supportive of me as an artist. When I was a teenager, I could, I painted all the walls um, in my bedroom and my ceiling, and they let me do whatever I want. And just recently, my mom told me that when I was really little, like probably four years old, she used to like open the door to my room in the morning to see if I was awake and I would already be making something. She said I was already drawing or doing collage or trying to knit, you know. And how old and were you? So how how old? I was four. Oh my I goodness. That's so cute. Yeah. That's so cute. <laughs> and and I have to say, like, I I would tr- I probably for many, many, many years would make, you know, feel like if I didn't make something every day in my life, mm-hmm. I felt like a little bit of a failure. Oh my. Um, okay. And so, <laughs> you know, being creative and being a maker, I mean, I really feel like I'm a true maker. Like I live to make things. And mm-hmm. um, I was just visiting a friend in Salt Lake and she was like, don't you ever stop? We're trying to watch, you're watching TV and you're, you're doing English paper piecing hexes. I'm like, well, oh, I do like, that too. Yeah. And the answer is no, we never stop. No. Right. <laughs> I said, well, this is replacing my old obsession, which is making yo-yos, you know, right. and I, you're right. So I'm a crazy yo-yo. I love yo-yos, but you know, I was always in, in the arts in high school. Um, I was a painting and photography major in college. You know, I thought that maybe I would make that my life. And then I ended up, you know, at a time I was living in Boston with my husband and it was a really difficult time for artists and teachers at the time uh, to find work. So I ended up going into social services and then I ended up being a therapist in geriatrics for many years. Um, How many years? Doing like um, 10 years. Okay, that's a, that um, is a long time. Yeah. Yes, it is a long time. And um, we had moved to, back to Connecticut. My husband grew up in Boston. We left Boston and moved back to Connecticut, um, which was a really difficult time for me. I was um, working at the Fog Art Museum at Harvard University, and I was offered the assistant curatorship and the photography department. And 
you know, I really wanted to do that and stay, but we decided for our family, we would move to the country and move to Connecticut. So that's kind of like something that always, it's like everyone always says, well, is there anything that you regret doing in your life? Well, I don't regret moving here to Connecticut because I'm around a lot of family and some of my old friends, and that has been really wonderful. Um, but I also, you know, you kind of wonder, well, what would it be like if I had stayed in the city? Um, right. And it was a much more difficult transition for me than my husband, even though he was a city boy, you know. So then I went into this art therapy, so I was still able to be creative with the residents, and I really enjoyed working in geriatrics. I was always very close to my grandma. And so I really, you know, spent 10 years doing that and being very happy doing that, but um it came to the point where I felt like I really wanted to do something for myself. And a friend of mine um, worked at Rights and asked me to, you know, come on board. And um, I became the person that did all the designing for the trade shows and how-to projects, you know, for rights and simplicity and doing educational things. Mm -hmm. And I I really have done a lot. And I wear many, many different hats, you know, at my corporate job. I do TV and magazine work, and um, I do sales and product development. I think that's really good for me because, I, you know, I feel like I have this need to do something different all the time. Right. So it it's really kind of fed that. It's really fed that for me, that need. It's been fulfilling. Um, and I travel a real lot. So um, that's been a little tough sometimes, you know. Yeah. It's not as clear. Cool. It's not as clear. It's just, I mean, just in us coordinating. I've taken one trip oh, to know. New York um, the whole semester like that. And for me, that was like a lot of traveling. Uh, you have gone all over the place. <laughs> I've just been yeah, astounded. I, and, do you enjoy the travel? I mean, do you do you like it? Um, well, you know, uh, of course, I don't like the part about the suitcases and yeah. that kind of thing. And um, but I do really enjoy meeting new people. I have to say, you know, and my mom, I actually, we live next door to my mom and it's really been wonderful. And she always, of course, it's my mom. She thinks I travel too much. She thinks I work too well, hard. Well, yeah, she wants but to she, see you yeah. all the time. <laughs> right. Like any and good she, mom does, you know. Yeah. yeah. And she said to me, you know, um, but you have made the most incredible friends, you know, Um, and and I really truly have and not just acquaintances, but friends that I feel like I'll be, you know, friends for a lifetime. And um, as I had mentioned uh, in our earlier conversation that I just wrote a little piece for Joe Packham's new issue of Where Women Create, and she gave me two words. It was called It's Complicated. And um, it actually sums up my life really well. And I don't know if we have time for me to just read it. It's no, I, we, we or... do. I am a writer and oh. I love this kind of stuff. So you go right ahead. <laughs> okay. And I, I, I actually, it's so funny, like um, really um, love writing. And my both of my sons are also writers. One's a writer and one's a poet as well as musicians. Um, and I didn't find that skill about myself till much later in life. And it was really actually a hard part. It was really hard for me to accept the fact that, hey, I, I'm actually pretty good at this. And I really love it. So well, I congratulations do really on discovering <laughs> that in yourself. That's wonderful. So, and this is just really a short piece. So it's called It's Complicated. It's complicated. I'm complicated. Aren't we all? I live between two worlds. Well, maybe three. My family life as a wife, mom, and daughter. My work life at Simplicity Creative Group, where I travel much of the time. And my life as an artist. They all overlap since it's almost impossible for me not to insert them into each other. I think that's what makes me successful and conflicted at the same time. Being an artist enables me to connect with designers at work on a very authentic level, even though I'm representing a corporation. It often feels awkward that I'm not the designer, and it can be difficult to hold back, but I do. My work travel often takes me away from home, family, friends, and as much as I love what I do, that time can never be replaced. And I know from deep personal experience that tragedy can change our lives in an instant. So I think that's why I let my lives intrude on each other. That way, I don't feel like I'm leaving anyone or anything out. Enjoying wherever I am and whatever I am doing, it helps me feel that all of my lives are real. And that's it. (laughs) Very nice. I really like that. And for people that want to get a a copy of that, it's it's in Where Women Create, which issue? It just came out, so it is the May, June, July issue, and you can find it at uh, like Barnes and Noble, 
And actually, it's the top selling magazine at Costco as well. Awesome. Well, that's wonderful. What you have to say about how each part of your life kind of informs the other, but can sometimes be in conflict at at times, you know, so it's kind of, um, yeah, that's a a pretty common thread that I think a lot of um, uh, women, especially, you know, when you have the mother, the motherhood thing thrown in. Yeah. (laughs) So, so, well, let's talk about motherhood for a second. Uh, How many children do you have? Oh, I have two children. I have two boys. Um, they are like really lovely human beings. And I'm actually really proud that I look at them and I'm like, they really turned into just wonderful men. Oh, good. And, Congratulations. Um, they're, they're, thank you. Thank you. Um, they're very kind and empathetic. And um, I, I and they're like the best of friends, which is which is really oh, wonderful. It's got to be so um, great for your heart to see that. It is. Yeah. It is. And um, uh, they both have really lovely relationships with young women that we we adore and love as well. And that makes me really happy yeah. that I I see them happy. Um, I, I think I view that as being successful. Um, you know, um, I know that's difficult. You know, we all like to have money. Um, which helps make life a little bit easier. But um, I don't know. I think that if you're, if I I look at them and I see what kind of people they are and I see how my husband has influenced them. He's, you know, really wonderful dad and um, how, how that's all happened and to watch them transform, you know, Um, and, you know, they, they both have um, severe learning disabilities. They're both um, dyslexic. And so um, I put, a lot of time and energy was practically almost a full-time job to really help find the proper education for them. Right. And then that put me on a path to help a lot of other people too. So my parent advocate and I, when their boys were little, you know, we formed parent group and we helped other people, you know, kind of fight the system and learn, you know, just, you know, really, um, realize what their rights and what the law was Mm -hmm. and to testify, um, for birth to three and going forward and just, you know, um, that was almost like a full, and I was working, but that was almost like another full time so job. How old are your boys um, now? So what time period was um, this when you were kind of wow, fighting so, for, for their educational rights? So, so my oldest will be 30 on Saturday, which is two, three days away. Wow. Um, and Happy my, early yeah, birthday that, <laughs> to him. That's so great. And that's a little scary that I have a 30-year-old because let me tell you, inside, I think, well, aren't I still 30, you know? Inside, um, you're you're much younger than that even. (laughs) And so um, my youngest is is 26, and he'll be 27. Um, So So, so you were going through this. What year was that then when you were really pushing? Oh, gee. So uh, Devin was born in 85. Okay. Um, I knew by the time he was four years old because he had a... Because he had a actually by the time he was five, he had a college vocabulary, um, but he didn't know his name began with D. And then, you know, my youngest son had more of a processing dys- dyslexia. So, um, you know, I always just was paid very, I, I, maybe being an artist, I feel like um, we're very, artists are very observant mm-hmm. with the world around us. Right. And not that any moms like don't realize what their kids are doing, but I would really paid I really for some reason was paying very close attention to anything they did you know with their hands writing trying to write trying to draw and do something like that and I realized very early on that certain things were difficult especially Mm -hmm. for my oldest son right and um which was pretty amazing because both of their um learning disabilities were very severe and you know I really spent a lot of time you know um having them diagnosed and and things but um, we sent them to a, a really um, amazing school, which unlocked the mysteries of reading for them. And, you know, like my oldest son graduated um, from Marlboro College, which is a writing school. Like you are accepted on your on your writing um, pretty much. So, oh, wow. you know, and I think both of them have really and Logan be, became an incredible poet. So um, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. You know, so, right. you know, um, in their own right. So, you know, that's just was really a, 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 I spent a lot of time. Um, doing that, you know, programming them and helping take care of, you know, their educational needs. And so I worked close to home as in geriatrics as, you know, an art therapist. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really until they were, one was off to college and one was still in high school that I actually, you know, switched my careers for something for myself. Mm -hmm. And that was, 
you know, going to work for some publicity creative group and doing, you know, really being able to kind of share my talents and my creativity, you know. Right. And then that was pretty difficult because, you know, I did work for a very large corporation and when I was in geriatrics, but, you know, having an artist fit into the corporate world, you know, that's pretty difficult <laughs> sometimes, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I worked in the corporate world for many years and my natural tendencies were a little different than the corporate structure. Yeah. And um, yeah. my footwear yeah. was also a little bit in question sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to wear yes. tennis shoes with everything. And people were like, but that just doesn't look business-like. I'm like, but, you know, it's kind of what I'm comfortable in. <laughs> so, so, yeah, but when you're an artist, nobody questions it, you know. They're just right, like, very true. Of course very she's going to do They're that. Big. She's different. They look she's at an me, artist. Yeah. Right. They look at me with three heads. Like, I just don't get what you're talking about, you know. But. I don't know. I, and I think like sometimes we put that on ourselves. Too, no, I think we I mean? absolutely like, do, though, because sometimes you know, I will walk into a room and be like, oh, yeah, I'm so crazy because I do this. And, and it's like if I didn't say that, I don't think anybody would ever even notice that what I was doing was a right. little bit different or a little odd. Um, so, yeah, sometimes we do label ourselves <laughs> almost to be the one that says it first, just in case somebody says something. Yeah. Right, and and right. I find that sometimes that's very um, foolish that I do that. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Yeah, you know? but it's kind of, um, yeah. But it's, so it sounds but, like you, know, you, go ahead. I'm going to let you. Sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, um, you know, so I always painted and did photography, but I really, you know, always seem to come back to fibers, to mm-hmm. sewing. And I think that is probably partially because of my mom. She had her sewing um, machine that she let me use since I was at a very young age. My feet couldn't sit, you know, reach the pedals. But luckily, <laughs> back in the day, she had like a knee pedal on her. Um, oh, yeah. Machine. Yeah, so that's that really, pretty fancy. Yeah. 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 So um, that really worked for me. And then I joined 4-H and I was like 10 years old. And that's when I made my first quilt. So um, it's funny. I'm so in, I'm so involved in the quilt world, but I'm not a prolific quilt maker. Um, I have a lot of very close friends, and you know, several of them are. Most of them are in my book because um, mm-hmm. I have 20 designers, quilt designer artists in in my new book, including myself. Um, and they quilting is their livelihood, you know. Um, so they're very prolific, and um, so I don't make that many quilts but I'm also in the corporate world as far as you know working for simplicity with easy quilting so I'm at all the quilt markets and I went to quilt con and I'm going to you know spring quilt market next week so um, I'm very involved in that and I'm also on two quilt nonprofit uh, boards so um, the quilt alliance which I don't know if you're familiar with uh, we're a, a nonprofit organization um that our mission is to preserve um, quilts um, for the future and generations. And this is through Michigan State? Is that um, our partnership? We do have a partnership. It's called the Quilt Index. That's only one of our um, programs. And all of our programs are documented in the Library of Congress in the Folk Life Center, Folk Art Life Center. And, um, yes, so the Quilt Index through the Michigan State University is one of our programs. And we have over 70,000 digital images of quilts from all genres and all ages for for anyone to look at. They did some um, recording of photographing quilts and, and uh, getting uh, dated information about these quilts here in Grand Rapids. I want to say they oh, did that yeah. a couple of years ago, and I wrote a, a column for the local paper on that. And it was so fun was to see what people showed up with. I mean, yeah. there was some stunning and just stunning quilts that people it's had stashed away. And like, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, this was up in our storage over the garage. And your jaw is like on the ground because it's a right. like dime right. size yo-yo quilt. And you're like, <laughs> right, oh, my right. gosh, yeah. you could yeah. I can believe it. So it was phenomenal. So, and this is such important work, too, because to, if they're not being it's... indexed and there's no right. record, it's like all these quilts are out there. And to be able to trace the history, because you want to, you really want to get that information when the people who are connected to the maker are still living and they can tell you Aunt Myrtle made this in right. 1925 exactly. or whatever they can tell you. And that can be recorded because if we wait and we don't document this, we won't get the information. They'll, it will be lost. Yeah. It will be lost. Yeah. Um, and we also have another program, which is QSOS, Quilters Save Our Stories. Um, and we actually interview um 
you know, a quilter. And we interview famous quilters. We interview, you know, your grandmother. We interview, um, you know, you know, truck drivers that are quilters on the road. Oh, how fun. Um, you know, we have over 2,000 interviews. And then all of those interviews, um, well, they're um, now a lot of them are filmed, but they are taped and then they're transcribed. Um, and then they're also documented in the Library of Congress and the Folk Life Art Center. And so um, it, that is another, uh, you know, big program to really document, you know, who are the people making quilts? What's their story? They bring a touchstone quilt with them. Um, it could be maybe a quilt that they made or that their grandmother made, and that was their inspiration to begin quilting. Um, so and it's a it's a really, you know, wonderful organization. Uh, we, we work pretty lean. We only have, like, we have one full-time. Amy Nolan is our executive director, and then we have two half-time people. Um, but we have a one, we have wonderful board members. You know, I was on the phone today with Amy and Mark Dunn from Moda, mm-hmm. um, and he's such a strong supporter of ours. And we are really trying to get everyone in the industry to realize that this is not just the Quilt Alliance mission. It's all of our mission. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that we all should be really concerned about. And um, moving forward, I'll help to, um, you know, get our get our message out you know, to, to preserve quilts and their stories and the people that made them. And what so, is the name of that project with the quilt stories one more time? It's called Quilt. Uh, it's called QSOS, Quilters Save Our Stories. Okay. So QSOS. Yep. Save Our Stories. That's really great. Yeah. And how, um, if people want to participate in that, are, who is recording? Um, Who's doing the interviews and where are you doing the interviews? Well, we do the interviews all over. Like we um, we have some um, different, some of our members, our board members, or we have different people that will um, interview you. We also set up at different quilt shows. Like um, we usually have a space at the, um, in Houston at the quilt festival and you can arrange to um, bring your quilt in and document your story there. Um, you can come come to our website and, you know, contact us um, for more information in regards to that. And we can get that story, you know, that information out and, to you. And so what is the web address? Quiltalliance.org. Okay. Well, that's really great. Yeah. So I'm um, vice president of um, marketing and um, like new business and um, for that group. And then I'm also just, uh, I just became a member of IQA. I'm vice president of membership for IQA, which is um, International Quilt Association, and, you know, we govern quilt festivals. So um, our board members um, have different, you know, uh, projects. So, like, Victoria Finley-Wolf is in charge of volunteers. I'm in charge of membership and Quiltapalooza. But I will tell you, I'm saying I'm not really in charge. (laughs) That's my title. But (laughs) Quilt Inc. has an amazing staff that really assist us and (laughs) and do it and we really help out you know so i've been i you know i try to get donations for the quiltapalooza party and you know support them in that way um so i'm helping run this big party during quilt festival um you know this fall in houston so you know i'm fairly new to that organization you know i've only been on the board since the end of october 2014 so, um, but, you know, I'm very excited to be, you know, a part of that um, group. So when I say I'm so, like, inundated and, in you know, I'm just so involved in the quilt world, I'm not a prolific quilter all the time, but I'm on these two boards. Right. I feel like I almost live and breathe quilting. Right. So, well, I don't know um, how you would have time to quilt uh, intensely when you're doing all this work you know, for the shows and everything else. No, I mean, but, but you're definitely surrounded by quilters. It sounds like in all these interactions you're having. Yeah. And is that what led you, was that what inspired you to do a book on quilting? Um, well, that's, it's interesting. You know, I, I've been thinking about writing a book for quite a long time, but actually the idea for the book came out of, um, a talk I had with a friend of mine from the industry, Helen Gregory, she works at Interweave F&W now. And we were at Spring Quilt Market in Salt Lake City probably five years ago. Um, and it, it was um, a time when the Modern Quilt Guild was really kind of coming, was being more prevalent and everybody was hearing about them. And the, some of the traditional quilters were having a little bit of a difficult time. Um, 
like kind of accepting that or understanding it. And it really hit me that, you know, this could be an interesting, you know, topic to write about. Um, because I didn't really think the two factions were really all that far apart, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we all love fabric. We all love handwork, you know. So one of the things I did, because we actually had a booth, you know, I worked for Easy Quilting, and we were um, had, you know, a booth. And um, Darlene Zimmerman, who's a very um, big name in the industry, she designs most of our quilt tools. Um, oh, and yeah, she's I have written, several of them. You know, them. Darlene? <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. I, I, That's good to hear. Yeah, I have a lot and of the tools, yep. Yeah, and she teaches all over the world, and she's a wonderful teacher, and she's a great author. She's written, like, I don't know, probably a couple dozen books. Um, And Darlene and I become very good friends, and, um, you know, we work closely together at work. But um, it's so funny. I call her my little prairie girl. You know, she's from the prairie land of of uh, Minnesota and um, she's like adorable with <laughs> and I call her my prairie girl but we um, also we look very different on the outside but we're very similar on the inside and we have so much in common with our love for um, quilting but also our love for our family and our friends and so we we've become really good friends and so I said Darlene I have you know all these girls from you know I should say big girls women from the Salt Lake <laughs> City you know modern guild um, yeah that's my generation uh calling us girls I, we, it's hard to get away from well you know? the thing is you're saying it with affection so I think that's no, much absolutely. different than in a, using it in a demeaning way I was not offended yeah. and I don't think any of the other women <laughs> out there will be either so don't worry <laughs> we um, know so what I you mean <laughs> I said, I have everyone coming from the Salt Lake Guild, Modern Quilt Guild. And then, you know, I know Heather Jones is going to be there from the Cincinnati Guild and all these people. And she's like, what do they want to see me for? Like, she was so, <laughs> she was kind of freaked out about it. She was like, oh, I, I, they, they don't want to, oh, I'm traditional. They don't want to see it. And I was like, I, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, they're coming. You have to go. And I had to kind of brought her kicking and screaming to the demo table. And there was like 20 of these young women there with, you know, looking and, you know, waiting for Darlene and Darlene comes in and she starts showing the tools. And I looked out at them and like most of them had like these deer in the headlights look on them and they were like, oh my God, is that how you do that? It's so easy. Like, really? I wish I had known that because, right. you know, I'm reinvent- I'm trying to reinvent the wheel here and I really don't need to. And, right. and, um, And I think that was a real aha moment for Darlene to realize that she had so much to offer. And some of these women were telling her, you know, like, gee, I already have your dress and tool. And she was like, really? Because I think people had this preconceived idea of what every modern culture was and what they did. And I, I don't know, from my perspective, I see how that's evolved and how so many of my friends that I you know, I'm a huge Instagram fan. I love Instagram. Mm-hmm. And my friends on Instagram are mostly quilters. And um, I I like it because I can really kind of see, catch up with what people are doing every day. And I'm just so amazed how many of the modern quilters are really taking some pretty complex traditional patterns and doing some extremely interesting things with them now um, through the, you know, um, prints and value of the colors that they're using with their fabric. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, and find it amazing. And, and here we are, we're back to traditional pattern, you know, Which many is interesting. times. Yes. 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 And so that was one of the things that um, has always interested me that kind of, um, I wouldn't even say conflict, but you know, the difference between modern traditional cultures, I really don't think we're all that far apart. Um, Cause I, I don't really know what I would consider myself. For many years, I was an art quilter. So um, I came, because to me, I thought that was a lot more freeing. And I'm really a process artist. I very, very, very seldom sketch anything out and decide ahead of time. I pick the fabric, you know, I go with the color. And um, as like, I, Darlene and I, we were walking QuiltCon two years ago. And we were walking together, and I actually wrote an article for Modern Quilts Unlimited about it. I called it the yin and yang of quilting because I had Darlene and me, and I gravitate towards color, and she gravitates towards geometry. And every quilt that I say, oh, my God, I love this quilt, she's like, really? It's not straight. It has a crooked line. I'd be like, 
well, but that was their intention. And we'd right. sit and we'd talk about it and we'd talk about the color. And then she would walk up to quilt. She was like, oh, I love this quilt. And I'd like, you do? And she's like, well, look what they did. They took a 45-degree triangle and they cut it in half <laughs> and they put it on the tent. And I was like, you know that they do that? Like, seriously, you, you can figure that out? And so it was just, like, so amazing that we were so drawn to different things, yet she has really taught me so much um, from my very first show at Paducah, you know, 12 years ago, she was like, Michelle, I'm going to teach you how to use acrylic templates and you need to learn the basic before you break the rules. And I, you know, I think she was really right, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so at that time when we were, I, I know I'm probably jumping around. But no, this is fine. Darlene, You're doing great. When Darlene and I were at Colcon in, in 2013, and I, I write this in my book as well, is that we were walking along and we came across Luella Doss and Jay McCarroll. And we were looking at this quilt together and, you know, she said, oh, my, you know, she said, you just can't believe like some of the comments I'm hearing, you know, <laughs> um, from other people. And, and we're just like, OK. And she was like, you know what? They're all just fabric sandwiches. Right. And don't we all love sandwiches? And it was just <laughs> like, yeah, she's like, so right. Like, you know, I don't fall in love with every quilt I see. But right. I always, always appreciate the time, the work, the care, and especially the love right. that it, that went into, you know, um, making that quilt. So, you know, I, I think that for me to, you know, I make, I don't make a lot of quilts, but I make quilts for new births in my family. Um, last year, my son turned um, 29. I turned 29 when I had him. And so I thought I really wanted to document that year for him because I thought it was so important. Mm-hmm. And um, I had never made, like, I went to one of Victoria's classes and I started making a star. And I left the class and came home and I had that star in the middle and I just kept going and going and going. I ended up making this giant queen size quilt. Awesome. And I was like, this is this is my Devin quilt. You know, he's my first star. I'm mm-hmm. going to make him a star. And I made him this quilt, and I, the thing is, I can't believe I finished on time. And I labeled <laughs> it, and I packaged it up, and he opened it, and he read the label, and he cried. And I was oh just my like, gosh, wow! I, th- I think he's crying because I finished it. And you know, <laughs> like, how much time that probably took? And I don't have a lot of time, but it was right. like such it was such an accomplishment. Right. Well, too. what a great response too. You know. Oh yeah. yeah. It was just. And then Logan, how, Devin, get it out. We got to hold it up. And they were so cute. I have these cute pictures of both of them. And you know, we usually have our picnic under our apple tree, and we were underneath the apple tree, and I had this lovely, cute picture of both of them holding oh, up. Oh, it sounds like a perfect birthday. There. What a great birthday! Yeah. Present. So, anyway, so here we are a year later, his birthday. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, that's no, that's great. And and so you are somebody that does um, bust out with the quilts when it counts. It sounds like you know. I, I, yeah. I try. Yes, yeah. I I do. You know. So um, I have one in progress for our little baby Ida her sister June my great niece was born two years ago and I made her a quilt and Ida's isn't quite done and she's five months old but I'll finish it this summer yeah well sometimes um, these things take a little bit longer and we have to give ourselves (laughs) a break Uh, yeah yeah well that's wonderful so, so we started talking about yeah. why I wrote the book. Yeah. And so this kind of that whole little story I told is really, I think it evolved into writing the book because I felt like um, every quilt show I went to, um, this was kind of like right in my face, this whole kind of, you know, um, conflict or the two sides, modern or um, traditional. And I, I really, I see, um, that it's not such a big thing anymore. I feel like, you know, some people are moving to the middle of both. Some are staying, you know, more with the aesthetic of a a lot of, you know, negative space and, um, you know, being very modern. And, and, but I see these people really like busting out with trying all these really great, you know, traditional patterns and doing some really unusual things. And so um, the publisher, actually, I was approached to write a book, um, by my publisher um, at Six and Spring, um, Soho Publishing, and um, I w- had run a Dresden challenge for for work, and I worked with the, started to work with the Salt Lake Modern Guild, and it actually went international, um, and we had a really great response, and we had several different um, 
categories, and one was traditional, one was modern, one was most creative, one, you know, judge's choice, whatever. And, you know, we started talking, and they were like, is there a whole story there? Is there enough for a book? And I'm like, well, I don't really know. And, I, you know, I'm a little naive sometimes, and I'm like, well, I... I was like, well, who would you like to to write the book? I thought they were just asking ideas. And they're like, well, you, Michelle. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. You know? And so um, we started talking, and then I was like, you know, I said, you know, I have this idea in my, uh, you know, that has been, you know, uh, bouncing around in my brain for quite a few years now, and I really think that there's something there. And so I chose 10 traditional patterns. Um you know, double wedding ring, log cabin, flying geese, Dresden plate, crazy. I even I included the crazy quilt. You know, nine patch hexagon, flying geese, rail fence, and of course yo-yo, um, because I'm a yo-yo freak. Um, and then I in I did all, a lot of you know research, historical research. So each um, chapter has a little bit of um, editorial uh, about the pattern itself like you know where did it come from you know how old is it um you know what are the variations like you know um barbara brackman's book the encyclopedia of peace quilt patterns was very helpful with that you know um how we discovered that quilt patterns were regional and how did quilt patterns you know migrate from one region to another um so i talk a little bit about that and then i um had um images of um antique quilts from um, that represented each pattern, either from a collector or a museum or from my own collection. And um, and then, I, so I invited 19 other artists to join me. And I kind of picked people that I, I, I knew everybody in the book except one person I, I never met in person, um, but she was recommended by a good friend. Um, and, you know, doing something for a book is pretty much a labor of love. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. you're not going to get a lot of money for it. So, um, you know, I, I was a little afraid to ask some people because they were kind of big names and they were just so, um, you know, one person said, I can't fit it in. I'm sorry, but everybody else, Said, I'll do that for you, and um, but I also give um, a percentage of my royalties go to um, the quilt index. In, yeah, I saw um, that. I read that. Yeah. And I thought, what a wonderful thing for you to do. You know, that's... and I specifically gave it. It's on behalf of the Quilt Alliance, but we work very closely with them, and the university allowed me, which they normally don't, to specify my donation to go specifically to benefit the quilt and deck. So um, I was really um, happy that um, they did that for me. And then in turn, they um, donated um, the use of the images, some of the images for me for the book. Um, So that was really um, helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, the rest is, is kind of history. I was really nervous about not having a tech editor because I, like I said, I'm more of a process artist, culture, and I was really a little bit worried about, you know, um, the technical portions, especially, um, you know, fabric, fabric cuts and yardage and everything. And I have a friend that I went to high school with, and she still was in town. And we recently uh, had dinner a few times with a mutual friend, and I found out she was a really big culture. And um, she was trying to explain to me a couple of years ago, like what she wanted to do. And she's already retired. And she said, you know, I kind of couldn't figure out what she was saying. And then one morning I woke up and I was like, oh my God, she wants to be a technical editor for quilting. I was like, <laughs> I called her right up and I said, oh, do I have a project <laughs> for you? And she graciously really helped me so much and spent many, many, many hours um, on, on the patterns with me. Uh, to really make sure that um, they were correct. And not all of the quilters in the book were really pattern writers. I mean, it's kind of like if you're a quilter or an artist, it doesn't mean you're a good teacher. I I, I pride myself on on being a good teacher. Um, Not everybody's a teacher. Not everybody's a pattern writer. So you really, you know, need... you need someone to really pick those patterns apart and really help you. And I I really do hope... um, that we accomplished that. Um, I've only had one question so far in the book, and uh, luckily, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting. I'm probably sitting down tonight to, you know, write her back. And and basically, it's she just is 
didn't quite get how the instruction was written. So luckily, I was a little panicky um, at first, but luckily, no, all the information's there. She just didn't quite understand right. how and to Right, and she might just together. be newer, newer to quilt, quilting or something, too. Yeah, and, yeah. and you also have to, we have to understand that, a, you know, this book is 165 pages, and it has 20 quilts, right, how-tos right. in it. It's 20 quilts. So I don't have 10 pages to explain how right. to put together a double wedding ring, but, you know... Um, you know, luckily there's a forum that she can, you know, express her, you know, um, questions to, and that gets right back to me, the book help at the whole publishing. So, um, one of the editors, you know, sent it right out to me. So, um, but I have, I'm going to tell you, Jennifer, I was very relieved to know that I did have all the information in the book and I just need to explain it a little right. more. Right. Well, so, yeah, that is a relief. Was, that yeah, is a big relief because you brace yourself for, oh no, there's been a typo. And then it's like, no, right. no typo. I just have to provide some extra support. Yeah. And that's great that you're willing to do that because not everybody oh. actually takes on they kind of just go on to the next project. So that's great that I can tell this means a lot to you. How many quilts do you have in here? Because I'm seeing the yo-yo quilt. Of course it's a yo-yo quilt. <laughs> no, I only have my one yo-yo okay. quilt in there. Well, that looked um, like it took a long I, time, to your credit. It took a, yeah, it took a very long time. And and it's it's kind of interesting because um, some, some people have mistaken my blue. It's 27 conus solid different colors gradiated Mm -hmm. on a gray background and um you know I spent a lot of time thinking about this so this is like one of the only quilts I probably ever you know sketched out and really thought carefully about the Mm -hmm. color placements and everything ahead of time um because it was going in the book but it was also kind of a um nod to uh, women in the 30s and 40s that really made um, yo-yos and yo-yo quilts. Mm-hmm. And I made it very traditionally, you know, all by hand. I have to tell you, my youngest son, Logan, cut them all out for me. Oh, and wow. I do well, geez, give him credit. Nice. Yep. Yes. I give him credit in the book. Um, <laughs> Shelly po- <laughs> Polly, I um, quilted it for me because I wanted a very specific quilt um, pattern on the background. Um, if you look closely at it, it has um, the waves. They're just yes. lines, yep. waves. Mm-hmm. They're only an inch apart, but about eight inches from the bottom, the waves go the other way. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm thinking that that's so simple, right? Well, she said to me, oh, my God, Michelle, but that was one of the most difficult things. I had to know where to stop. Yeah, to that's the, the thing is you don't, yeah. yeah, you don't, there's no natural stopping point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then um, I have to say, like, the quilt looks so much better in person and uh, you know well I think many... it looks pretty good in the book I mean oh, I, I, I'm not thinking it's lacking anything here this was the first one that you actually really planned out right the level it is of the detail. first one I yeah right in, in a lot of detail and I you know it took me the whole summer that summer to actually you know do all the yo-yos and I I had them numbered in little tiny plastic baggies like just <laughs> baggies. like I never do anything organized like that um but you know it, it really you know, doing it really, um, I don't know, it did a lot for me. And um, the touchstone piece in this is a very, very old um, quilt that my mother, a yo-yo quilt that my mother found at a tag sale, really like right down the street. We know nothing about the quilt except it's early 30s and 40s. And it was just a king-size yo-yo quilt stuffed into a garbage bag for $8. Oh, wow. And, um yeah, and it just amazed me as, like, all, you know, I just wondered, like, who was this woman? And it was more than likely a woman who did this, who took those little scraps of fabric wherever she went, um, to the doctors or the picnic or whatever. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I felt like this real connection because I feel like that is still, uh, that woman is also me because I always feel like I want to be doing something useful mm-hmm. yeah. um, with my hands. And so... Um, but I, but one of the things that I was starting to say is the thing that I really love the most about this quilt is that people mistake it for the modern quilt. And, you know, in my eyes, it really, I made it as the traditional quilt. And um, and it, it just makes me really smile because I think, you know, really we're this whole, we're not really that far apart. You know what I mean? It's right. all in, you know, how we translate it, um, you know, uh, what we see and what we feel about the quilts that we're making. You know? Well, I'm so glad so. you found that quilt. And it sounds like I read in your book that it actually is valued. You had it appraised and it's actually worth about 500. Yeah. And that was several years ago. And you know, with quilts, things go up and down. So I'm not right. really quite sure, but probably about five years ago um, that, um, 
I was told that it was between five and worth five and six hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, and then before I had it photographed for the book, um, I actually washed it. I was so afraid to wash it. I, was, I washed it like four times in my bathtub and I laid it out in the backyard to dry. And what was so amazing is the colors really came to life. And I realized how bright like the solids were. And mm-hmm. things. Um, so it was really interesting. But also the other quotes that are represented from, um, I got a, you know, from like the San Jose Museum, um, Nancy Brevore is the curator there. And she's on the board of the Quilt Alliance, and she was very helpful and generous with images for the book. And the yo-yo coverlet that's from the San Jose Museum of Quilts and Textiles, and that's from 1930, is actually totally made out of chiffon, and there's no backing. And if you hold it up to the light, you can see through it. So it's just like, yeah, it's like really pretty amazing. And then the top quilt, the yo-yo quilt that comes from... Oh, that one um, is crazy. Good. Yeah. Oh, my God. So is, there's it, like is it pattern squares and then some solid yeah. squares? So they've made yeah. pattern yeah. squares and, and solid squares out of yo-yos. Right. How small are the yo-yos? Right. Um, she didn't tell me, but there is 5,000 yo-yos. Oh, my yo-yos. goodness. So they must be small because yeah. they've got to be small. Yeah. Wow. And, and the amazing thing is uh, Pam Weeks, the curator at the New England Quilt Museum, put me in touch with this woman that she knows from Maine. And this woman owns this quilt. She she never met me before. She took the picture, her and her husband took the photograph for me. She even offered to mail this quilt to me so I could have it professionally photographed. But I was like, oh, my gosh, it probably weighs 50 pounds. You know what I mean? Right. And then all um, you need and, is something to go wrong. Oh, my. Yeah, I was yeah. too nervous. I was really too nervous. But, <laughs> uh, I, I sent all the quilts out to the road to California. I had a... a Small, you know, I had a showing, an exhibit of all the quilts, and I was a nervous wreck when I sent them all out because I own um, several of the quilts in the book, um, but I do not own most of them. Probably three quarters of them, you know, belong to the designers, right? Um, and I, they're still in my possession, and I was really nervous. But um, you know, I, I'd like to suggest to your readers, if it, I mean your listeners, that if you are sending quilts out and taking them places, or you know, any of your um, your work, um, you know, there are, you can get an insurance policy. So, and it's really not that expensive. And I felt much more relieved when, you know, I did that for myself. So it really how much is, I mean, how, like, how I much took is out it? like a policy for $20,000 and um, it was only for the, like the last quarter of 2014 and it was just a little over a hundred dollars oh yeah that's um, like that's yeah. a, a, a no-brainer to do that right yeah. and so this year I continued it and um for a half for ten thousand dollars and it was a little bit less and yeah. it was just like it's such peace of well, mind do, oh yeah you know what I mean you just feel like you're covered just in case and of course oh yeah quilter would rather I mean most quilters would rather have their quilt back than a check right. uh from an insurance right. company but at least you know that if the quilt something happens there at least will be something for that quilter right and yeah right. yeah and it, it did make me feel better because you just don't know i mean you do hear stories uh, you know people send quilts all over the world i mm-hmm. mean i look at you know quilt market and quilt festival like look at the quilts that are quilt festival those are all you know sent right yeah so, people have just faith over, quilters yeah. everywhere have faith they mail their they precious do. work away and it, then we get to go see it at the show and Right. Yeah, but it is overwhelming when you walk through a show and you think, wow, everybody mailed their quilt in. <laughs> like, this is pretty yeah, I know, something I else. Know. Yeah, so, I'm so happy. With, I'm really happy with the book. And the book designer did a lovely job. I love her color choices in the chapters, especially the log cabin with J- Jackie Gearing. It's orange and gray. And it just, it really looks so pretty. So I have to say, you know, I didn't. Um, you know, Soho uh, Publishing does, um, you know, Vogue Knitting Magazine, and it's just so beautiful. So I had no doubt in my mind that it would be beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it's still kind of like, it's a little scary, <laughs> you know, at the same time. So I think that's something that sometimes people are like, oh, you know, I just want to, they just want to write a book. And they don't really care what the right. book's about or if anyone's going to buy it or what's going to happen. You right. know, and it's like, right. what you. I think it, the fact that people that are kind of like, you know, take their time a little bit and think, okay, what, what can I contribute that hasn't already been 
said or, you know, what can I add on to the conversation? And you've done that. You've added something onto the conversation and it's something that I think will have, you know, it has value over time. So this isn't a book oh, that is like a flash well, in the pan. So, yeah. So no, nice I, of you to say. That yeah, makes you no, feel I, really good. No, I like this you know? a lot. So oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. And because it, it is, it is a, a leap of faith, you know, of, um, and it, it is on the publisher's part too. Um, and especially I'm a first time author, uh, but I think, um, you know, I think they knew that I was very dedicated and, oh, yeah. you know, um, especially to the idea of it and, you know, making sure um, that the the whole, you know, mission of the book came across, you know, um, very easily. Like, you can really see what it's all about, like, right up front. But I also gave all the designers complete, almost complete freedom. Like, I did not dictate. The only thing I dictated was... Um, each of them is like okay is this this is your pattern if you choose to accept it you know right you're and I you know most of them are clearly traditional or modern quilters some crossover and you know but they they made their choice um and you you know I just want to look open the book and say oh that's a modern hexagon or that's a traditional hexagon that's all I really want from you and you can choose any color or any style any size you know, I don't care if it's a doll quilt, you know, I just want, I wanted them because I, I trusted them and I um, liked their work. And I, I just kind of, you know, gave it up to the quilting gods that, you know, they're, they're going to pull through for me. And they did. And they I, really I'm happy. And I was really happy to, I, I really believe in giving people artistic freedom. And I think um, that sometimes is difficult in a corporate setting, like for me. Um, but I have to say, um, I, they, even at work, I'm often given that, um, availability to do that. Um, I just recently, you know, we're simplicity patterns and, um, just recently I did three different projects and I can't say what two of them are right (laughs) now. The catalog's not, you know, out yet, but, um, you know, I have to say one was for someone's hair and one was six and a half feet tall. So these projects (laughs) that I got to do and one was totally fiber and one was painting. And, um, you know, I built it in my kitchen about three weeks ago and I had to pack it up and send it off and it came out amazing. It was so much fun. And I have to say, like, you know, I was a little nervous. Am I going to be able to, you know, do this for them, um, for the department that, you know, does all the photo shoots. And um, it was a, a real challenge, but what a fun challenge to be back kind of to my roots, to be like totally creative and do something totally crazy. And, you know, so um, I'm happy that they know me now as the person that they can come and ask to do some crazy things to, you know, um, and I get to kind of, you know, go out of my little box at work. Although yeah. I'm not very good. I'm not very good to stay in my little box. I'm kind of always reaching out. (laughs) Well, I think creative people are really hard to box up, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) I know they say, well, think outside of the box. I'm like, no, you don't want me to think out of the box because my normal is out of the box. Right, right. Yeah, I live outside the box. Yeah. So, well, it sounds like you're having a fantastic time. And I think that's wonderful that you have gotten to this point where, you know, you at the point when you had to really focus on on your kids and helping them, you know, get the educational, um, you know, their needs met with their education and everything else. Um, you, you did a job that maybe wasn't as full blast, fun and crafty. Um, and now you are, now that they're, you know, you've, you've raised them and they're fine young men. Um, and unfortunately for the eligible women out there, it sounds like both these men are are taken (laughs) currently. Um, (laughs) so, um, they're very cute. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's, so they're just heartbreaking, breaking all the hearts tonight here. But, um, but yeah, so it sounds like, you know, you've been able to kind of go through, kind of the seasons of life where you, you know, at different points can shift and focus and, and writing a book and, you know, um, and, and, and now in, in this point of your life, it's really awesome to see that you're, you're just reaching for everything and, and having a great time of it. Do you have advice to uh, the listeners out there who might be maybe feeling like they are a little bit stuck or maybe they have a goal in mind and they're not sure kind of how to, how to reach for it. I mean, what advice would you have for people that are um, on the you outside know, I looking always in? say to everyone is to, um, you know, uh, well, acknowledge your support system. You know, m- you know, I'm so proud that my, my family looks at me as an artist. Like that's, like I'm mom, 
you know, but they, when, you know, they look at me, I'm an artist and they acknowledge that and they're very supportive of that. And I'm thankful for that. So I'm always really thankful to my support system, but don't be, I'm always saying, don't be afraid to reach out to people. Um, you know, I am happy to help anybody if I can, you know what I mean? And I think that the, we let self doubt come into our world. Sure. I think that as a, as a creative person, I think everybody does that, but, um, you know, I think you have to kind of take a, a charge of, um, you know, of what you know how to do. Like, you know, just even sit down and make a list of, you know, these are these are my skill sets. This is what I have to offer. And, you know, look around and see if there's people that you can reach out to and, and ask for some direction. I mean, you're not asking for a handout. You're just asking someone, you know, do you have an idea of who I might connect with or how, how you know, can I get this to happen? Um I think that most people that are established in the industry or still going through looking, you know, um, for their place that they're comfortable with and, and successful with, that they're, we're all really willing to mostly help people. Mm-hmm. I mean, most, I, I've, I've come across so many, you know, um, great people that um, have helped me and, and they're generous with me. And, and, and you have, like, offered to, to take this time for me to talk about my life and my book and what's important to me. Um, and I so appreciate that. That's like really important to me because, you know, when you're an artist, but when you write a book, you know, I don't want to say you're a shameless huckster, but you almost are, you, you, you know, you do need to sell your book as mm-hmm. well because you want to, you want your publisher to be happy. You want yourself to be happy. Um, you know, I mean, I'm so proud of my book. I think it's beautiful and I think it's well-written, but you know, I want to share that with other people and, and, um, you know, um, I've had a lot of people help me with that. And I, I think that a lot of people have, because I think they see me as a person that is a connector and I'm willing to share, um, my information with almost anybody, you know, <laughs> that, that needs, needs help. I'll say almost. Okay. I mean, you, I even share with people that maybe, you know, I'm a little nervous about, but you know, yeah. that's just my nature. It is my nature to share. And, um, I don't be afraid to look for people that maybe can help, help you. Mm-hmm. And, and don't be afraid to, to pass on, um, if it's an opportunity that's not good for you, pass that on to somebody else. It will come back. Oh to yeah. You. I it, firmly you know, believe in I, that, that if you help somebody, um, you know, and you expect nothing to return, eventually the universe does respond and something awesome comes your way. It just, it's wonderful how that happens. And you know what? I'm old. You know what I mean? I've been do I've been around a long time. And, <laughs> and so, you know, some people are sturdy and they're writing uh, 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 their first book and it's beautiful and it's successful. And I'm, I'm really happy for them, but you know, be persistent. You know, I mean, I had other things that were important that I had to do in the meantime. And then, um, now that it's my time, um, especially the past 12 years of my life, um, it, it's been pretty much, um, well, I do, you know, I have a corporate job and that's how I help support my family. And I work very hard at that. And that's really important. Um, but it's also a time that I was able to really kind of celebrate my own artistic endeavors. And, yeah, sure. um, you know, and I, I think that is uh, really important. I do have a website um, and a little blog. I don't pay much attention to it because I'm so busy, but if anybody wants to go, it's, it's uh, lolaray.com, L-O-L-A-R-A-E.com. Um, has my gardens in it, my pies, my, I'm a big pie maker. My pie was on the front cover of biography. A book I actually Joe saw Patton. that. Congratulations. <laughs> it's That's so it's a great book. And did that um, just, is and, that a new release as well? No, no, that's been out about, I think about a year and a half or really? so. Really? Okay, but, you know what? That's right. Um, it, it has been out a while. But I. But did you yeah. just post something recently about it? Or am I just I did, crazy? I did, because um, I made my, I'm, my most famous pie, I named my pies. Um, and that's, Joe, I had the book pretty much finished. This is, you know, quite a few years ago when she was like, you know, how book takes several years to come out and um, to publish. And she was telling me about this book and I was like, Oh, I love pies. Everybody in my family, we have pies for birthdays and I need my pies. And she's like, oh, really? You should be in my book. And I was like, yeah, 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 sure. Because it's already done. And two <laughs> days later, I get like, the guidelines from, 
uh, her assistant that says, you know, you know, we want you in the book. I'm like, okay. So I write, you know, it's, it's, if your life was a pie, what would it be? So my life is a rhubarb uh, and fresh peaches and raspberry pie. Oh my goodness. I would uh, never imagine to put pe- rhubarb and peaches together. That yeah, must taste fantastic yeah. so, though. Yeah. So, you know, it describes, you know, rhubarb's pretty tart and I like to think I'm still kind of tarty, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, peaches are really sweet and I have dimples and a lot of people think I'm sweet, but, you know, you do something to my kids, I'm going to chop up those poisonous rhubarb leaves and put them in your salad. <laughs> and raspberries are fleeting if you don't eat them right away. Right. And um, that kind of is about, you know... Um, my my ADD, you know, brain that I have so many ideas and if I don't use them right away, they're gone, but there's always more, there's always more fruit coming. Mm-hmm. So, um, cause that's just how I think many of our brains work. So, um, and so then, um, my pie got on the front cover and she just told me recently, like, <laughs> and you know, she, she didn't pick it out because she likes me, like the group picked it out, the public, you know, picked it out to put it on the front cover. It's a very traditional looking pie, it's lattice, you know, right. crust on the top with a Pyrex pie plate, which is how it should be made, how my granny made rhubarb cream pie. I added the peaches and the raspberries. And um, so, you know, she said there was like 27 women, famous foodies and chefs in this book and they all called her up and said who's this Michelle Muscat on the front cover is she like like, like she's like oh she's an artist she's like quilter and an artist she's not a, <laughs> not a real really a cook anyway and and I just posted it because uh recently I had my girlfriend came home from California and um usually we make the first pie for Devin's birthday on May 9th and she was here so in her honor the the rhubarb was just big enough to pick enough for a one pie, and I made, I made pie. So I had, I had posted it. So, anyways, yeah, that's, that's what got me thinking about the. Yeah, that's yeah. what got me thinking about it. But um, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna have to go get a copy of that that pie book though. I really like pie myself. Thank you. Have a great night. So you too. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, that was fun. I really enjoyed my conversation with Michelle, and I hope you did too. Thank you, Michelle, for coming on the show. You can head over to craftsanity.com for links to where you can find Michelle online and check out a little bit more information about her book. Again, I'd like to thank ACS Home and Work for sponsoring this podcast. You can head over to acshomeandwork.com to shop for tea towels and other home goods that you can use in your crafting like I do. And thank you, Patreon sponsors, for doing what you do. I really appreciate your support. I will just mention quickly that I have started to record Craft Sanity video tutorials, and these are hopefully informative, entertaining, and a bit ridiculous too. There is some some very strange <laughs> things. My cat is like off to the side in the latest one, and I'm running through finish lines. I mean, it's some kind of unusual things are happening on these. Go check those out. I, I'm not sure. This is kind of an experimental thing. I brought... John Lopez on as a multimedia editor and um, he's up for all this crazy stuff that you know I've been wanting to do for a long time and you know didn't have another person to help with executing these kind of crazy craft sanity plans and now I've got this role in here folks and we'll see where it leads hopefully not to the emergency room (laughs) oh my goodness well I'm having fun and um, I guess that's half the battle right So anyway, you can, if you visit craftsanity.com, there's definitely some video content there waiting for you to view. My next two videos that will be up there, if you're a subscriber to my YouTube channel, it's just Craft Sanity over on YouTube. If you subscribe to that, you won't miss anything. You'll know when there's a new video out and I will, I'll mention them also on my website, of course, but you'll probably hear first on the YouTube channel. So the latest uh, two, I did a two-part video about Girls on the Run. And for those of you who are listening in other parts of the country, I'm in Michigan and we just had our race this past weekend. And actually, it's not a race. It's a fun run. The whole objective of Girls on the Run is to get the girls ready to run a 5K. And running is not the focus. It's really about being a good person, uh, being self-confident, uh, standing up for others, you know, just basically training 
these young girls to just be good people. And that's really the focus, um, helping them feel happy and be kind to others around them. So it's a, it's a wonderful program. I recommend that if you have a daughter in grades three through five, that you look into that at your school because it is really fun. And what I did is I did a couple tutorials about, so this is something to file it away for next season, or um, you can use adapt these running related crafts to a local run in your community for kids or a scouting uh, project, uh, any number of things. So I give some guidance on how to set up a finish line that's pretty cool and easy and inexpensive to put together. Also some things you can do to embellish your runners on race day. I think you're going to have some fun with that. I know I had I had fun. My daughters, for they were both on the same team this year. My fifth grader came down to the third grade team to run with her little sister, which I thought was great. I had a great time. So you can head over to the blog and I'm going to write a blog post about my experience as a runner and a girls on the run coach getting to run with my daughter. So this is the first year that both my daughters ran and I got to cross the finish line with both of them. Well, actually, that's not exactly accurate. I chased Abby. Abby was ahead and I got to go back and run through with Amelia. So anyway, that was a really fun time. Read all about it at craftsanity.com. And you can look for those video tutorials too. And I'm actually at a point where if you have a product or a project that you did that was successful and you want to share that, I'm inviting people to write in, just email me, jennifer at craftsanity.com and tell me about it. And if there's something that you're looking to kind of get the word out about that you make or do, I'm going to be featuring some of these things on my little YouTube channel. (laughs) Um, I used to do segments, live segments on TV here in Grand Rapids. And I would stay up all night the night before making samples and doing the stuff. And what I'm finding is it is so much more fun when I can record whenever I want and I can not be up all night the night before and I can be in my own space and it's really fun. So I'm looking to kind of branch out a little bit. This is not going to be like an episode of Martha Stewart by any means. I actually show some really bad ideas too. Um, (laughs) I mean, if you look at the, uh, clip of me making the capes that will be posted, um, early this week, you'll see it this week. And, uh, you will notice that what I'm, my ironing, what I'm doing when I'm ironing, don't try that at home folks. It's, and I do say that as a disclaimer, it's like, yeah, please don't do what you see me doing, do it the right way. Um, and I know that that is ridiculous. I don't think I've ever seen a craft tutorial video tutorial where the person was actually doing something that she doesn't recommend that you do at home but she was doing it anyway but yeah i guess that's where the entertainment part comes into this i i did not script that out to entertain i'm just now trying to use that as an excuse for why i did it (laughs) oh my yeah i i really hope i don't end up in the emergency room as a result of my craft tutorials but anyway let's all enjoy the ride while it lasts i will be back soon with another interview And send me your ideas. I really do want to hear your ideas. So, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast. To support the show, click the Patreon link at craftsanity.com to donate $1 a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at craftsanity.etsy.com. Same time next week, we'll be crafting.